All right, welcome to episode 20 of No Putts Given. I can't believe we've made it this far, but we out here. And today on episode 20, we're talking 2019 most wanted wedge test results. We're talking Bryson DeChambeau. Is he the smartest golfer or the dumbest scientist in the world? We're talking Rory versus Brooks. Is this really a rivalry? I don't think so. We're talking the Dominion Energy Classic, the real rivalry, Harry versus Sam. Was uh, postponed due to rain. <laughs> the Odyssey Stroke Lab putters new from Odyssey for 2020. We've got one called the Black Ten and a Bird of Prey. You're going to want to find out about. And we've got the top three marriage tips for Harry Nodwell next week. Keep them coming. I'll take as many as you got from the My Golf by staff. Let's get it. No Putts Given is powered by My Golf Spy, the most extensive reviews in golf. Before you buy, My Golf Spy. Nine million readers do it every year. Check us out. All right, I'm your host, Adam Beach, owner of My Golf Spy. To my right, we've got Sam Robinson, director of product testing at the My Golf Spy test facility. Over here, we've got Harry Nodwell, two time All American from 32 years ago. <laughs> And he's the director of soft good testing, and we've got my golf spot editor Tony Covey coming at you. And right now we're going to start with the 2019 most wanted wedge results. And I figured we'd start Sam with a quiz about most wanted since we've ended the year. It yeah, is the end buddy. of the year. We are we done? We hit quite a few shots this year um, in our most wanted testing. I uh, I actually made an error in my tweet this morning. I said we had 12 tests, and it's actually 11. Good start. I should have let Excel count instead of my fingers. But <laughs> nonetheless, we did a lot of testing um, all the way through the bag, driver through the putter. And I've just got a couple cool stats. How many hours do you think it took us to complete all of most wanted testing for 2019? Tony, that's, that's for you. How I many mean, hours? Cumulatively. It's a lot of hours. It's certainly more than a weekend. I don't know. Take a guess. Oh, let's see if we do... I don't know, 1,200? Okay. We tested for 1,640 hours. That's ballpark. I was too far off. Pretty close. So by that, we mean there were 1,640 individual sessions in our 2019 testing. Hmm. Seems like a lot. Well, yeah, you know, it took 10 months. How many individual clubs do you think we tested? Oh, 11 tests. You think you... Oh, look at this. <laughs> <laughs> There's some cells burning. Um... You were there for every test. 162. 219. Oh, wow, shit. Balls. We had 30 mallet putters that we tested. 30 mallet putters. Third, I forgot about putters. So 11, 11 tests, not including the ball test. We had, Adam, how many shots total? For the whole year? For the whole year. 97,432. <laughs> you saw the tweet earlier. Rehearsed. That equates to 6 million... 937,552 data points. That's wow. That's a lot. 7 if, million data points. If I counted correctly, Excel You're did that one for me. I, yes. would, I, would, I would not bet on you. <laughs> yeah, you know, you, know what's, you know what's funny, though, man? Like, we do all this testing, and we just released, the obviously, the 2019 Most Wanted Wedge Test Day. People just complain. I know, man. First comment, complaining. Wait, yeah. Where's Come on, this? Dude. Where's that? Do better. Well, yeah, what are you going to do? The MD5 Jaws and TaylorMade Mill Grind 2 Wedge are not in the test. I'm very sorry to upset, apparently, the entire golf industry. <clears throat> yes, All right. Well, 
And Sam, why was that? Why was not that not available at the time of testing? Like, yeah, it yes. makes sense. So let's let's get some context to this. Like, Golf Digest does all their testing in four days. Ours takes ten months. So when we start this testing, not all these products are available yet for golfers to hit or even made available for us to test. So we test, take my maybe two or three months for a test sometimes. Some of these clubs aren't available. We wish they all were. Um, you know, The next question is, well, why don't you hold off until this club is available? We don't hold off until any single club <laughs> is available. It takes us long enough. <laughs> yeah, Seriously. 10 months is long enough. Uh, unless you want a wedge test to be done December 31st. Well, and we even had to postpone our wedge testing because we had to do the, the wet wedge test yeah. and we were trying to determine Yeah, just trying to do it right. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I mean, so, we, were, we were done, what, really about a... I mean, one where I was, was I in Virginia almost a month and a half ago, so we, we would have been done right about then, but, you know, we got this crazy idea of adding a wedge portion and that, you know, cost us a bit of time. Well, well worth it, it, though, I think. Exactly, because I think that, that part of the test was the most telling... Uh, between for performance differences between clubs well it's an industry first you know in regards to a comprehensive study on this so i think it was worth waiting tony thought it was worth waiting and so so did everybody else so if we get smarter we add it to our testing protocol so this year we did that yeah so we had a one winner and three accolades our winner was the honma tww4 wedge you're shaking your head like you didn't really see that coming well i don't think anybody i mean we put it out there and asked people today who you you know, who do you think won? And literally no one got it right until I said basically all of y'all are wrong, which left only a couple wedges left. Right. So, you know, no well, one really knew that or expected that at all. And we've heard all year when home the products have been in, you guys have really liked them. Um, whether it be the feel or the distance or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Golfers, our testers really liked all the home of products. Well, it got good it got good subjective feedback, but also I mean it wasn't really anything crazy. It wasn't like it killed in any specific category. It was just really pretty damn good across the board. It wasn't a dominating win like some other companies have right. had before. It was just one of those things where they were always near the top in every category that we test and every category that we look at, which at the end of the day when you put it all together ends up being the best wedge in the test. They remind yeah. me of uh, Puma and Puma co- uh, Cobra in, in in one way or another because Puma and Cobra, well, I can't Cobra. get over him saying Puma. I just, Puma. Yeah. Puma. Puma. Right, po- <laughs> right, I'll say it, you're Puma. 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 <laughs> Stupid. Uh, I mean, they're up, they're up in the top five pretty much in every single yeah. test. It's been a good and, year for Cobra, yeah. And they don't, you don't really see, they're not like a shiner, like they're so good that beyond everyone else. But they're good enough to be in that top five. As Tony says, the Cobra is one to consider, right, Tony? You uh, like that one, 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 well, one that's to consider. That's a great pun right there. Proud of that. That's that's a good Thursday effort. That was that was clever because the one length, the Cobra uh, King Black one length wedge was the best for wedge spin in our test. So across across the test group, it was one of the highest spinning wedges for the most number of golfers. We so. were talking about this earlier, weren't we? About the one length and how you would probably have to play for it, play it for like a good yeah, you're gonna month. S- you're going to see quite a few of outliers when somebody first picks up. When they go from hitting 30 wedges of one length to another one that's like a seven iron, right? Yeah. You're going to see them hit some shanks at first because it's going to take some time to adjust. But I've always said that I think if you started out 100 golfers, right, with variable length and 100 golfers with single length, mm-hmm. brand new golfers. I think the single length golfers handicaps would get better faster. That's definitely a cool study. We sh- we yeah, could my, eventually we do. did a little well, bit. My of that. mom is. Would you like to play golf? Now. 
<laughs> Come on in. <laughs> my mom's getting into golf now. My dad, you know, they're traveling a lot because now they're retired. And um, my dad's been taken to the range. And she was like, I, I, need, I need some clubs. I was like, well, maybe we should try to start you out on one length and then see where that goes because she doesn't know what the hell yeah, she's doing. Are there women's one length, Tony? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Really? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So I'd, I'd be hard-pressed to say exactly which models they made available. But, yeah, they, they definitely did that once or twice. Yeah. All right. So go over the winners real quick. Once again, the overall winner was the Honma, Honma TW. TW4, best for spin, Cobra King Black one length. And with, with our wet wedge portion, we decided to determine a best wedge in wet conditions, and that was the Ping Glide 3.0 I2. Mm. Hydrophobic AF. Yeah, they got that cool Hydro Pearl finish that disperses water really well. They said it was a thing, and then it worked, and we were like, okay, there you go, Ping, at it again. And then finally for best value was last year's TaylorMade Milled Grind. Uh, it, I don't, it's still on their website, so I know it's not discontinued, but it's only 109 bucks. So if you want a good wedge. And that one was the best for a spin in our wedge test last year, I believe. Right, Tony? Yeah, it was a, it was a good wedge, still a good yeah. wedge. And like you said, 109 bucks. And Yeah, I mean, as wedges continue to increase in price, I can remember back in the day when Vokies were 99 bucks. And then now they're well into the 150s. So, well, let's talk about some of the other names, right? And Harry, you mentioned a few things. One was the Miura wedge mm-hmm. stood out as something that just wasn't consistent, you know? Yeah. Um, you yeah. also talked about the fact that the high toe, tailor made, and the Callaway just didn't do well. Well, at all. I mean, you also have a preconception of going into a test. Like, they're a big brand. And we see it not in the wedge test, but you see it in every single category in the tests. Um, where you expect a big company to do well just because of who they are and where right. they have been. And I was just disappointed, is, 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 is the word I, I would choose, when it comes to the wet portion of the test. That's what I'm trying to differentiate. Is The Callaway, I f- loved the feel, didn't like the look. It was just a little bit too far right for me. Didn't like the look, loved the feel. But when it came to that wedge and seeing the results, never ever going to put that in my bag. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's it's to be expected, right? Those are niche products. It's it's not just that they look different. The center of gravity location is is higher than than any golfer would be accustomed to playing and it's really like there there's some things you can do with those wedges that are absolutely incredible that, that you can't do with with other wedges yeah. like, you know, I had when when the original PM grind came out, I had him send me a 64 degree and I mean, I, w- I was just sitting at the edge of the green, just hitting these balls straight up in the air and landing them soft. And, and you can, you know, something like that, you can get off an incredibly tight lie and, and really mm-hmm. hit a good shot with. But, you know, I, I struggled on full shots. And I think... Well, yeah, how many times are you going to face that that shot in a round of golf, that super high flop that you need? It's one of those things where, you know, I could conceivably put a 58 degree in and I, I did carry a 58 PM grind for a while because... That's a club I almost never hit on a full shot. Um, that's often kind of touch around the greens, trying to you know sneak one over a tight bunker or something like that. But yeah, on on full shots, especially like you need to spend a lot of time practicing, and and I think I think that's just not something that most average golfers do. And so it's it's proceed with caution. It's hard yeah, to justify sure. putting a specialty wedge in your bag, you know? You need one that's a little bit more versatile, yeah. in my opinion. It's kind of like the polar opposite of a chipper to a degree. I mean, not not quite to that <laughs> extent, but it really is sort of like, unless you're really, really going to put in some practice time, it it's not sort of a 
for any situation you're going to encounter on the golf course kind of wedge, even if it gives you some playability in, in weird situations that you might not other have, if might not otherwise have. If you're playing percentages, it's just not shots you're going to hit a lot. Well, right? one thing I think is cool is like Harry brought up a good point because you know Harry's fairly new to my golf spy and not too far removed from just being an average golfer that didn't know that much about equipment. And he's like, you know what? All these wedges looked you know the same to me before I started working at my golf spy. And they do. For the most part, wedges look pretty traditional. They're all round. They all have different names and logos on them, but they're all fairly similar. But the interesting thing is there are people out there that work at Ping, Mizuno, Cobra, some of these companies that are super dedicated to making that traditional-looking wedge not perform like an old traditional wedge, meaning there is real tech in these clubs now. And I took that for granted. I think a lot of golfers do. I was like, all right, wedge is a wedge. And and when, when I used to go buy a wedge in the store, I would look at it, go on the putting green, just take that little chip. Ah, that feels so good. Yeah, or uh, just buy Vokies because everybody had Vokies. Well, yeah. let's think about this. How do you think the typical golfer goes about buying a wedge? They might go into Dick's and take it onto the putting green, like I said, and just yeah. do that little chip into a hole. That might be it. Yeah. yeah, I'll never forget. I went into, this was, I mean, to give you... F- time frame this was like the last iteration of jaws right um so i went into a golf galaxy to to try the wedge and you know how golf stores right they got to protect their inventory so the first thing he did was was tape up the wedge face and sole (laughs) so like how do you how do you make a wedge buying decision when when that's what you're working with and even even places that let you kind of use the face a little bit they're not for the most part very very few are going to let you go out and, and hit it off of grass and and see if the grind for example works works with your swing you're not going to be able to go into a bunker for the most part so it's you know fitting opportunities for wedges are are really limited and that that's kind of a shame it's it's probably the most underfit club in the bag and that's why i hope golfers out there take advantage of the data sets that are produced on my golf spy because there's just not that many opportunities that allow you to go dive into this type of stuff and find out what works, what yeah. doesn't, because... Especially like when it's wet. <laughs> yeah, because like Tony said, the majority of people go into a shop, first of all, aren't going to get the luxury of trying all those wedges at the same time. And secondarily, you're probably going to get somebody that's going to tape up the grooves, which isn't going to tell you anything about what that wedge is meant to do. So, well, And it's really hard to, to know what kind of grind you need just by hitting a few shots in a simulator man grind is like there's a there's there's the first level which is not having your wedge taped up yeah and then there's a whole nother level which is you know getting fit for grind, a grind. and bounce yeah and, and that's where Voki probably has a significant advantage is if you are going to take the time and have the opportunity to go someplace where you can get a full wedge fitting like the the just the the sheer variety of grinds that they have that to fit such a wide range of players. Yeah, that's great, right? Now let's go around the room. Who's been fit for grinds? The only way I've been fit is I went on to Tyler Spokey and they have a set of questions, and I yeah, answer the questions. Count. And then, yeah, that's the closest. Anybody I got. else been fit for grinds? No. I have. The thing about it is, like when I got fit for my grind and bounce, it changed the way that I hit wedges. Oh, oh it's completely. massive. It's, and I it's get incredible. I, hey, it's no different than wearing the right prescription glasses, yeah. right? Like. You put the wrong ones on, you can't see well. Yeah. And when you put the right ones on, if you're gonna spend four or five hundred dollars on wedges, you might as well spend the hundred bucks and try to get fit. Yeah. 
All right, so the three main takeaways from the wedge test this year are impactful. We hope it you know, really sinks in because the data set is powerful. Please go use it however you wish. Uh, dive in as deep as you want. Read a lot. We put a lot into it. This is our most intensive wedge test we've ever done. And the three main takeaways are, one, spin is definitively lost when moisture is introduced, except for a couple clubs, really. Well, and 10 that, to 60%, right? That's There's your range. Yep, 10 to 60% in loss of spin when moisture is introduced. 10% being the best, of the least amount lost, uh, 60 being the most. Best was ping, worst was... Tommy Armour. Tommy Armour? Yeah, I think yeah, it was Tommy Armour. Over and out, 2.0. That was close. There was a few down there. Yeah, right. there, were, there were some... A handful of really disappointing, well, whoa, whoa, that's way too much to give up when it gets yeah. a little wet because it's almost always a little wet on the golf course. Yeah. And Sam brought up a good point last show, and that is we found wedges in wet conditions spinning the same amount as you're spinning your driver. Yeah, You do not want that. You want consistent spin on every shot, you know, theoretically, um, in a utopian world, right? The other thing is, number two, launch increases in wet conditions. So not only is spin loss, but launch goes higher. And three, tech in wedges is real. And whether that's in a fancy word like hydrophobicity or special different Hydroflow milling. micro grooves. Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, different type of groove milling patterns that help get that same thing. But tech does matter. And we found that to be true very quickly and the data is the data, folks. You can argue it all you want, all day long, all year long, if you want. It's just what happened. It's just what happened. So, you know, go out there, take a look at the wedge test, take a look at the difference between the overall winners, but also dive really deeply into that wet versus dry portion of the test and see if you can go out and try those products and notice a difference. Because we're already seeing golfers trying them and coming back to us and saying, wow, like, I literally see a incredible difference yeah. in launch and spin, right? Just yeah. just trust us is what I would say. Just, and in the meantime just give it a go and just trust us. If it's just if it's one trust for us, do the wedge. And yeah. and if it's and if you're not gonna go out and buy hydrophobic coated wedges, at least try to keep your golf ball as dry as you can. Make sure your grooves are clean. Wipe down the face. Carry a towel with you if you're playing in the. In yeah, but moisture. wait, wait. That's gonna slow down play. We can't have that. <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> oh Some my guy god. Commented. I thought you were trying to help pace a play. What? Yeah, what play mean? quicker when you walk yeah, quicker. If you, into if you hit up. better shots, you're gonna get closer to the hole. Whatever. We can't go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> All right. Well, next. Yeah. Speaking of wet and dry, next thing we're gonna get to is Bryson DeChambeau, and the debate is: Is this guy the smartest golfer or the dumbest scientist? And you know, people on social media and in the media in general, you know, joke Bryson all the time, right? And I think there might just be a little bit jealous, though, because if you really think about it, he's one of only three golfers ever to play golf that won the NCAA championship, the US Am, and three wins before he's 25. Okay. So obviously he did that with a lot of talent, but he also probably did it with a lot of smarts, right? Do you know the other two golfers? Yeah. Uh, well, there was three. Tiger, Phil, Jack. Right. Oh, okay. So there's four guys. Okay. Yeah, he's one That's of four. That's a good now. group to be in. Not a bad group, right? So, you know, he he gets a lot of, you know, grief about everything he does. But he understands why a lot of things happen when the ball's in flight and when the club's coming into the ball that a lot of other golfers 
probably wish that they thought. Bingo, you know? And the guy just wants to be the best pro he can be, in my opinion. And he's in an elite, you know, he's at the elite level. He's looking for any edge he can get, and he's a smart guy. And it just blows my mind that these people on the in the world of golf, whether it be media or golfers or social media, joke this dude. And I don't know if it's because of the hat he wears or like where this comes from, because the guy is right. So let's just look at three, the top sometimes. three. Yeah, we're going to get with the, the, the sometimes and the sometimes not. But the sometimes we're going to start with are pretty impressive. So let's take single length irons, all right? Single length irons he started with when he was 17 years old. He built his own set with his own teacher and went from there to have Adele Goff build him a set, Frankenstein set for sure. But then, Tony, you knew a lot about the Cobra uh, deal when it first happened. But does single length irons even really exist again in Goff right now if it's not for Bryson DeChambeau? I mean, nobody's talking about them, that's for sure. And certainly without Bryson, I don't think Cobra creates a set of single length irons. It's it's doubtful that the, the Tom Wishon. Jacob Bowden Sterling brand exists without without Bryson and I mean you have you have three companies who to varying degrees have success because because of what Bryson did or or wanted to do and, and continues to try and do. So yeah, it certainly had an impact. I think it's been probably the best thing for Cobra's iron business in, in recent memory. So I love the the concept of single length. I think if you if golf if we started back over, right, and no club had ever existed and we started over right now, I think single link would be the better way to go. In your opinion, after seeing the performance of the one length sets over this this most wanted testing year, do you think that more people should try Cobra one length? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Especially if you, you struggle with long irons, which a lot of average golfers do. Um, and again, you can get single length hybrids as well, uh, which are just a lot of fun to hit in a general sort of way. I like the utility iron too. Yeah. The, the utility iron is, yeah. is, it's well, sick. I like, yeah. I like, I like both of them. Um, and I would consider putting them in my bag. Yeah. Well, look, we're always talking about reducing variables, right? So at the end of the day, Bryson back to him in the one length is trying to just basically become the best human robot possible, right? The most repeatable swing you can, and that's the goal of pretty much every golfer. Right. And touche. Having <laughs> having one length irons reduces a potential variable, right? So, and especially in that single plane swing that he's swinging, he's looking for the exact same repeatable thing over and over and over, right? So, he definitely impacted one length irons for the industry. Then the second one is the flag stick in versus flag stick out, right? So, not only did this guy get it right based on our tests. I still think is the most definitive test, and I'm still waiting for Golf Digest to f- come down here to finish What's this off. What's that guy's off. name again? I don't remember. Tom Mays, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where are you But at? anyway, he also got right what we found, which was that it, the COR of the actual flag stick was also a factor. Yeah, makes a big difference. So, once again, Bryson was right, you know, when it came to the flag stick in, flag stick out. We just played this past week. It was so nice to play with the flag stick in. We Don't ever in have like to. Three and a half hours. Yep. Played a tournament in three and a half hours. It's great. We were the first. We were the first ones in by a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we started off the first hole and almost pulled it, and I was like, "Hell, am I what doing? What are we doing? We did that test. Put that flag back <laughs> in. So, um, and the third one, which is what we just found, was everybody joked him 
for months it felt like it felt like and that poor guy who was it spraying those balls rayberg adam yeah, rayberg from adam. bridgestone <laughs> i told so, him I've, I've told him that is your legacy man you will you will forever be remembered as bryson's ball spritzer <laughs> yeah but I yeah. Mean, at the end of the day hey bryson it was one of his like seven takeaways and he said one of them's a secret right he wasn't going to tell people he's like golfers know about it but they don't know the why and part of the why and part of the secret had to do with the, the wetness of the ball and the effect that that has on golf balls, which we found to be true. So once again, this guy has been right time after time after time. And Tony, I'm sure you've got a couple instances where you're thinking he might not be that right. But I mean, it's, it's one of these things where I think he drives people crazy because he's, he's a little over the top with the, with the nerd speak sometimes. And occasionally he... You know, he'll say something that's not scientifically accurate or technically af- accurate in terms of the uh, the verbiage he uses and whatnot. And so I think I think people are looking for excuses to pick him apart. But I mean, I guess you know that what what's the adage, right? Just because you're paranoid doesn't mean they're not out to get you. But it's a little bit sort of like you know, just because you're crazy doesn't mean you're wrong, kind of thing. So right. he's trying some things that I think are are probably the future, right? So widely reported a couple of weeks back or a few weeks back, he. He became the first golfer in recent memory, if not ever, to, to put 14 clubs with graphite shafts in his bag, right? Driver all the way to putter graphite shafts. And I think I think projecting years down the road, I think I think that's what the future looks like. I think, you know, even if it's still 95% of the market or, or whatever the actual number is or you know, almost 100% on tour, I think the clock is ticking on steel iron shafts. Yeah, yeah but the unfortunate part, too, is like just because you're trying weird things, it doesn't always stick, like you say. And all these people are seeing him do things and picking on him or, you know, busting his balls on social media. And it's like, dude, the guy's literally, why do you think he's doing these things? To be weird or to try to get better? I think, and this could be speculation, but I think that I don't want to, like, try something new because it may actually hurt me more than it could help me. But Bryson has never seemed to be that guy that would try to bring something out that would hurt him. You bring up something good, which kind of dovetails into the next thing, which was you guys went to play in a pro-am, right? Yeah. And... You guys played with... Uh, Steve Jones. Steve Jones. 1996 U.S. Open champion. Boom. I've got his, I got his name on a towel. Sweet. Steve Jones. I think you made that up. <laughs> well, no, it's, it's, all the other, it's all the other U.S. Open winners, but his name is also on the he towel. He did actually win the U.S. Open, so <laughs> give Steve Jones props. He's a nice guy, too. Talking about Bryson, right, which is so into getting better in the minute little ways, right? And then you, you guys play golf with Steve Jones, and you got, I'll let you take it from here. You know, who wants to start? Well, we, for, yeah. we'll set the record straight. We didn't, we didn't get to play we with didn't him. Get to play. We, got, we, got, we sat down for lunch with we him, and then they out. called the damn pro-am because the, the I, afternoon got, round got rained out. Yeah. I played with Gary Player, just saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll talk about that later. But, Harry, I mean, we were kind of just – Picking his brain a little bit on what what equipment he plays. And so it, as soon as he found out that Steve we Jones is the guy. opposite of Bryson DeChambeau. Oh my god, the dude's playing a 2016 M2. Because he was saying, "What's your company again? My Spy Golf. My My Spy Golf. My Spy Golf. <laughs> and I get that a lot. Whatever it is, it it was. It, we got him down, and we started to talk to him about um, center of gravity and the shafts, and and then he he got thinking him in his head is like, well. I, I want to get a little bit more out of my driver. Yeah, he said he I wasn't hitting it high enough. And, not long enough because he says the guys that he was playing against have the same swing as him pretty much and hitting 25 yards longer. 
three years later, they're hitting 70 yards longer, and he doesn't know why. So we went down. Um, he took us down to the... still playing a Cleveland VAS driver. <laughs> he took Pretty us much. down to um, see his clubs. Yeah, he took us down to the bag room. We, we got looking in his bag, and he's playing a daggone... The clubs he used to win the U.S. Open? <laughs> Probably. Well, unfortunately, I don't know the M2 was around in 96. I was three years old, so I wouldn't know. Um, but he, he's got... He's got like the original eighteen, you know, twenty eighteen X forged irons, and he's very he's very old school in the sense that like he he if you gave him launch monitor numbers, he would know what club speed, ball speed, all that stuff is. But he doesn't know what I mean when I say your six iron is spinning at this many revolutions per minute, or maybe he he doesn't care. So what was the biggest takeaway surprise from you guys? The fact that this man literally travels for a living and plays in fifteen events a year, and that's a lot for him. And clearly makes enough club. money to live off of. He's in the playoffs, and he plays golf clubs that he do, he doesn't even know. I asked him if he had a club guy, and he's like, "Yeah, there's guys on tour." You know, like it wasn't like, "Yeah, this is my guy. These are the irons that we decided are the best for me. This is the shot." Like, I mean, he was playing SM4 wedges. Well, I mean, it's, it's there's it just kind of illustrates right there. There are a lot of different ways to play this game and, and be right. successful. So. Yeah, I mean, Bryson's way where you you analyze every possible detail to one end. <laughs> infinity extent and beyond, right? Um, it, it works for Bryson, and, and we're also seeing quite clearly that, that Brooks' hit ball works pretty well, too. So, yeah. you know, different ways. It was interesting to see that Steve, he was, he was showing us his shafts, and he's got some old shafts in there. Yeah. And then all of his hybrids were different manufacturers different flexes even and he had one there and it was the rocket balls and he had the stock shaft in there and i was like you know what that's it kind of proves some things that he back in the day i th- i think all those golfers a lot of those golfers in your tour they're playing how they used to play and they're not really thinking about equipment because they don't really well, know i still just lo- always love the paper airplane analogy right like it doesn't mean that a guy can't win a u.s open right without being fit but to maximize your potential now there's so much information available that at your disposal you can get better you can lift your ceiling up a little bit higher i do though think that there's a point of diminishing returns where if you get too into the weeds like bryson might be getting Mm -hmm. that you're starting to think so much more about that and not actually about the execution of the shot yeah and i think that could definitely be a case but well, I think I think Bryson's whole thing is if if I know everything, right? If if I if I have every piece of possible information in front of me, then I can make the best decision about what to hit and right. how to hit it. So that sounds great, unless you're standing over the shot thinking about those seven things, you know, in barometric pressure for for forty minutes at a time. <laughs> right. So, like, I mean, Bryson himself is extremely unique in that. He's able to obviously separate those two things where, and I've, I've, I've read about him talking about how he gets into this blackout mode where nothing matters but the target and things like that. And he's able to take the analytic side of golf and kind of put it in the back of his mind for five hours and, and focus on hitting the golf ball. Yeah. Well, or even, even every time he's, he's gathering yardages and air density and all that stuff. I mean, he's able to just take the information and then execute. Well, to me, I'm saying he's the smartest golfer on tour. That's yeah, I'm going. I, I agree. I think he's smarter than Dustin Johnson. That's it? That's the only person he's smarter than? (laughs) Well, let's get on to the next topic, and that is what has been making the rounds on social media, and that is this whole 
thing about Rory and Brooks Kapka, right? <laughs> so basically, you what know, thing? what are we talking uh, about now? People are saying it's a, you know, talking about this rivalry, and you know, they're taking this quote, and every I love that quote. Golf site is out there re mashing it up in a million different ways, making Brooks look like some big savage. I don't Brooks know. Brooks is a big savage. He's awesome. Yeah, I, mean, I don't he know is, but like, <laughs> but like, dude. He said basically, just so everybody out there that hasn't seen it or heard it, which is probably zero of you, but he basically said, you know, in a nutshell, don't quote me on this, but yeah, there is no rivalry between me and Rory because the dude hasn't even won in like the last five years. So there is no rivalry, right? right. And what's wrong with saying that? He's not wrong. That's He's certainly fact. not wrong. Yeah, How is there a rivalry? If, so, uh, look, look, I mean, Michigan still thinks they have a rivalry with Ohio State too, right? So Yeah. You didn't have to go there. Well, if you think if you think about it, if you think of any other sport, you can see a rivalry. Like for me, soccer is my team, Everton versus Liverpool. That's my half a mile down the road. The two stadiums are together. That's a big rivalry. Think about golf. There is really no rivalry. So that's really the question. It's it's less about. I'm not going to dive into the Rory and Brooks thing because what Brooks said is a fact. But that brings me to the more bigger question, I guess, and that is. Is there actually currently any rivalry yeah, can you in name golf? One? Tony, can you anyway? name one? One rivalry in golf? Yeah. Right now, Every, currently. Everybody versus Patrick Reed? I you literally <laughs> you literally just took the words out of my mouth. I was going to say that exact you, sentence, I swear to God. Uh, uh, Bubba versus his caddy? I mean, yeah. <laughs> what was it? They made the... Sergio versus Kucher versus the world, right? <laughs> Kucher versus the caddy. I mean, you had Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson is probably the closest thing you get. But that, that was, that that was bullshit, to too. That was, that yeah, was it ne- wasn't... I, mean, I didn't think it was fun. Yeah. Well, think about fun. it. But that was the most marketed rivalry that they could come up with in golf, and it was lame as shit, yeah. you know? It was like, cool because because Phil was really good, but he was always second. It was always like the... Dave, it was more of a David and Goliath rivalry rather than a two equals you know so do you think that the media is just trying to make i mean make golf cool and make golf have a rivalry that doesn't even exist yeah i mean there's no real good stories going on right now tiger woods is coming out with a memoir but that's about the biggest <laughs> thing in golf pro golf news right now. what do you think about that tiger memoir tony i want to hear it eh, whatever like, is that the thing on netflix or whatever it is <laughs> yeah. a book? Wake, wake me up when it comes to video <laughs> no he's writing a book He's writing a book. I ain't going to read it. I'm definitely going to read it. I can't read. I'm probably going to pre-buy it. <laughs> this episode is sponsored by Grammarly. <clears throat> yep. My favorite friend. <laughs> Tony's Tony's too when he edits all your articles. Mm. Tony loves my articles. You know, that Tony, you know, what, you know what I'm going to do? <laughs> Tony, you know what I'm going to do? Is I'm going to put like supple in every article just, and you have to go find it. I, <laughs> just to piss you off. <laughs> Control like why, honestly, why would you need to do anything differently to piss me off? That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so true. I'm glad I'm with my goal spy. Just to annoy oh, you. Man. Put a wrinkle <laughs> on your forehead every single year. Uh, anyway. Tony's forehead looking smooth for that age. Well, he's got, he buffed it out at the, uh, the bowling alley, didn't he? <laughs> he buffed it out. Alright, next up is the new release from Odyssey and it's called the Odyssey Stroke Lab Black Ten and Bird of Prey. Are you sure it's that? Yeah, it so says it on are you the sure putter, it's it's that. Where do they come up with these names? I don't did do they not I mean I'm not I'm not like an Odyssey follower like Dave Wolf is. Do, does Odyssey not have a number eight uh, you know for like eight legs as an example? Yeah. <laughs> 
I don't think they came up with this one themselves. So when you see these two pictures that are going to be presented side by side, the Odyssey putter and the TaylorMade spider, do you see one spider or two spiders in that? Can picture? we throw up a Can we throw up a PXG operator and make it three? <laughs> uh, can I Can I throw this one out there? Who came up with the spider? TaylorMade. This is the thing. Like, are you sure? Who knows who invented anything anymore in the golf industry? I, yeah, I'm I mean, confused. I'm Sean Toulon now. may have had a hand in it while he was at TaylorMade. Well, there was a Frankly Frog that yep. you guys might not remember. No, I definitely. There was a that. Futura or a uh, Scotty Cameron putter that had the Scott Adam Scott played with the mm-hmm. first kind of uh, like a pre-spider. Sure, it's yep. not. I mean, it's not hollow body, but it's, there's similarities, right? You could you could argue evolution. And then the spider, and uh, then the Odyssey. No, you forgot the operator. And the tour edge. I think you should bring back those th- that three ball putter that was like bigger than the bag. The Dave Pels? Is that the one with the we three golf one, balls? Yeah. The Odyssey? Yeah, we got one. That's OG. Two ball, three I ball. I want that, yeah. yeah That's what you should have putted with last week. <laughs> one ball. You should have putted with your driver. You might have done better. <laughs> oh my God. And then I'm going to putt, putt with that three I ball because I did not much better. I did you on a, quite a few holes though, Harold. When? When? Exactly. You can't, you can't think. <laughs> I tell you what, though, I made a bad choice on the putter decision. You for the made first a bad holes. choice. You were like, I never, I never miss anything with this heavy putt. And then me he and made the first yeah. putt. The right. first putt, he was like, right, that's going straight in my basket. It's right there. Adam Boom. comes into the office and pulls the heavy putter off of the wall with some forward, the forward grip, you know, the, the pyramid-shaped grip. Oh, yeah, he was big on we, that. I remember we, that. He loved yeah, that Yeah, yeah, we, we, we slapped that on there. He's like, I'm t- I never miss with the heavy putter. I'm taking this out. I was like, bring it. Dude, I don't think I touched first the bottom part, of the cup. First part, you saw the bottom of the cup, and I wondered why he had two pies in his bag. It was for exactly <laughs> reason. Put that even roll in quick. That solves yeah. the problem. So, what do you know about the uh, new two putters from Odyssey, Tony, that you can tell golfers about? High MOI mallet, right? And, and their argument is, you know, we because of the multi-material construction, they can they can make a putter similar to, you know, a spider shape-wise, uh, but with significantly higher MOI. And that's the argument that hey, yeah, it, the shape is similar, but ours is much better, much higher MOI, more forgiving, whatever you yes. want to call it. So, so that's- bird of bird of prey is one of the models, right? Uh, odd shape, but Odyssey isn't afraid to go odd, right? But the MOI on that putter, 5,712. I think one to 2,000 higher than the the uh, putter we're referring to. And about 5,000 higher than the new Cleveland. Yes, the front line. <laughs> no MOI putter. <laughs> no yeah. MOI, that's right. So um, the other thing is the Stroke Lab shaft. So for anybody out there that doesn't remember... The Stroke Lab shaft is a new putter chef technology that Odyssey has that's caught on pretty well, not only at retail but on tour. Has it? I mean, it's. I think so. I mean, I don't. I don't think anybody's going out there. It's caught on well, and they say, "Oh yeah, we've we've got a lot of these out there in, on tour and in the marketplace." And tour is a little different, right? But in the marketplace, yeah, there's a bunch of them out in the marketplace because they put them in every one of their putters. And Odyssey's the number one selling brand in terms of Correct. units on the market. So, you know. Yes, Tony, you didn't people have bought to a go ton ruin them, the fun. Well, I'm that just, brings me that brings just, me to the question: Do you think moving <laughs> forward the steel shaft is dead in the Odyssey putters? Uh, I hope so. I mean, again, it's like there there does seem all joking aside, right? There does seem to be something in in the technology. I mean, it's it's a little bit different than the story that with the stability shaft that we tested, which you know wasn't wasn't light years ahead for everybody, but it it was better for one or two guys and and no worse for anybody. 
so you know it's it's small advances. You can't expect light years a light years uh, leap in performance based on a you know, multi-material power shaft. But yeah, yeah, with with stability shaft, you're going to pay out the nose. Whereas with the with the Odyssey offering, which you know, we'll see, right? If it's truly better, and if it if it's if it sticks around for the long haul, at least it's sort of you, know, you can almost think of it as free with any Odyssey putter purchase. So, woohoo! A, I guess. That's a, well, I mean, that's a big advantage over the stability shaft for sure, right? Yeah. For any given golfer, it's almost always going to be just as good as a steel shaft, and and for some golfers, it will be demonstrably better. So, you know, if, if you have a chance to try it, why not? Yeah, there you go. So before we end this um, year of most wanted, go around the room. What driver are you playing right now, Harry? Um, I have gone back to the G four hundred. Back to the G four hundred. LST, yeah, LST. Yes, uh, the last year's winner. Can't beat it right now. I just smashed that shit. You out got of the it. BB shaft in there. I have not. I put the Ventus black in there, and I am smoking it right now. Yeah, you hell yeah, that. you did. And yeah. Tony, what are you playing now? You went back to the PXG, didn't you? So, yeah, I mean, we'll get there, right? I played TS3 all year, and then, you know, last week I was out for a PXG event, and it's sort of like a, a when in Rome kind of situation, right? <laughs> I felt obligated to, to play the PXG, so I put it in play, and, and damned if I, I didn't have probably my best driving day in forever. And so when I played at home earlier this week, I, I left it in the bag because uh, Gary Player told me never, ever to change it. Uh, and so I figured I should wait at least a week before I changed it. So I, I left it in and hit it really well. Tony's gone through some major swing changes, but he's delivering the club dramatically different than he was before in a much better way. We're so getting there. When that changes, guess what else changes? Yeah. All the clubs that you need because what we find when well. we do testing is, depending on how you deliver the club, there's going to be a club that matches up with how you deliver it, right? Yeah, so, um, I mean, I, I feel almost a little dirty, but, yeah, I mean, I, I've always liked that driver anyway, so it's not like, you know, I, I, I just playing something I don't like, but to go out and just kind of hit it really well over or two consecutive rounds and be like, huh, is this right, a new well. Is this a new PXG driver or is this Gen 2? No, it's a Gen 2. Hell and yeah. You know, I, was, yeah, I was hitting it great, and I was like, yeah, I'm killing the ball. And no matter how good I hit it, I, I played with uh, Linnea Strom, who's LPGA rookie this year. And no matter how good I hit it, it was she was always five-plus ahead of me. I'm like, ah! Oh! But, you know, she's t- top 10 or 11 <laughs> in LPGA driving distance, so I feel pretty good. <laughs> well, Sam, what are you playing now? I have the Ping G410 plus Ventus Blue 6S. Man, Ventus out. Yeah, Ventus. I mean, it's, it's a pretty good shaft. It's a pretty good shot. I won with it. Harry won a few times with it. Tony's hitting fairways with it. I, I, I've played golf with it. <laughs> <laughs> it's staying in Tony's bag. Yeah. And Adam, what are you? Uh, what are you using when you play once a year? G four ten. And you on what setting? Uh, flat setting. Flat yeah. setting. And I drove the ball. You better. did pretty good. Yeah. It was pretty decent for not playing in nine months. Yeah. So Tony, you want to tell anybody about your trip to PXG? You uh, got super to play with Gary Player. Yeah, I played with Gary Player and Linnea Strom. Had a great time. Um, that's all I can say for now, just as well, because i got to run dance class calls, guys. So all right. enjoy the rest of this without me. So no no marriage tips? Oh, well, before you go, you got to give Harry a marriage tip really fast. I guess it, it, it's marriage <laughs> tip. It's not so much a tip as it is reality. As, uh, one, of my, one, of my, uh, one of my buddies back in Boston said, he's like, uh, one day I got married, and as far as my wife's concerned, that's the last time I did anything right. So... Take that with you. <laughs> <laughs> Might use that one. 
Damn. Sam, you want to give any marriage advice? <laughs> no. <laughs> you certainly don't want to take it from me. Yeah. <laughs> Here, I've got a tip for you. Don't download Tinder. Or don't get caught with Tinder on it. Have a burner There's phone. There's no way. Yeah, no, if you're going to download Tinder, just come over to my house or go on my phone. Just bu- <laughs> I'm not even going to entertain that option. <laughs> Good man. Yeah, for those guys who don't know, I'm actually getting married um, on Friday of next week. Um, Congratulations, brother. Yeah. For now. And I have to remember to say the right name and all that kind of good stuff. Okay, so did you decide, because we were talking about this earlier, are you going to read the vows or are you going to remember the vows? Oh, no, I'm reading that. She's okay with that. Is she going to do it too? She's reading her vows too, yeah. All right, well. We'll rather get, well, I can't go off, I can't go off, off spiel. I've written exactly what I want down and I don't want to differ from it. You better practice. Oh, I'm going to practice, yeah. Don't drink too much bourbon before you go on. That's not an option. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Awesome. Man. All my, my boys are in here in town right now. Yeah. Um, so my English accent's coming back a little bit more. Did you give them the wedges already? Uh, I have not, no. They haven't gotten them yet? No. When are you going to give them to them? Friday? The Thursday at the rehearsal. Sweet. I'll so give them to them, Here yeah. you got some custom wedges for all his groomsmen? It's... Oh, no. They're not... Don't let them listen to this. <laughs> they don't no. listen to stuff. Who did the wedges? Um, Grinder Golf um, did a fantastic job on my wedges, and... Every every single wedge is um, brings out their their identity to me. What I've thought they are. One of them looks like McLovin, so he has a face of McLovin saying, um, uh, "Break yourself full or something." Like that. I think it was so, like you got that. A, you got a picture of the wedges, right? Yeah, and I'm, we're gonna post that on online, yeah. on um, not online, sorry, on uh, social for everyone to see. Um, cool. So that'd be cool to give them to them and. See their see their faces. So 2019, Harry gets married. What year do you think Sam gets married, Harry? I I want to say five years time. I think I think you're gonna have something. So from now until five years, or I'm not gonna get married for five years. No, like now until in five years. Yeah, in that in that gap, I think I think that'll be you. Good luck with the wedding. So no no putts given for you next week. I will not be here next week. So I'm sorry for all my fans. That is that one fan, which is my mum. <laughs> your mom, does be your mom watch No Putts Given? She does, yeah. She does. What does she yeah. think about it? So I got fat. <laughs> she said you got fat. <laughs> it's these chairs. You sit back. A little bit. And the camera adds yeah, 10 the, pounds. Yeah, the wide angle on the camera makes you Yeah, really... but I've got like five cameras on me. That's why I say a I said to my <laughs> okay. mom, I've got five cameras on me. Five times 15. Exactly. I, I put on 15 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's it for No Putts Given episode 20. Peace out. Bye.